Hello and welcome to this edition of Irreligiosity, the one true podcast. The Lord hath repented of all the other podcasts and will soon wipe them off the face of the earth. Much like the flood, which we will get to shortly. Did you see how I segued into that? Yeah, yeah very nice. <laughs> First, <laughs> let's go over some reviews. Now, uh, Carl Mamer sent us some Canadian reviews. I had no idea that uh, iTunes walls you off. It, it sets a little cordon around the reviews. We can only see our American reviews. Uh, truth be told, we got an email uh, a while back from one of our listeners who actually commented and said that he couldn't see these reviews we yeah. were talking about. Where are you getting all these reviews from? <laughs> and the thought that went through my head is, dude, if you are not smart enough to find the reviews <laughs> or leave the reviews, you should throw your iPod into a river. That was my thought, but I, I have repented of that thought since discovering there are different he, versions. Of he probably it. lives in China where we're banned. Yeah, well, you know, the red. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, we have access to the Canadian reviews um, because they've been, you know, sent by screenshots. So if any of you guys live outside of the United States, yeah, I'd be very interested. This is one of the favorite things about my podcast is listening to the reviews. Oh, so it's your podcast now, not oh, our God, if, if you'd start contributing once in a while to it. Uh, then I'd say it's our podcast, my God, but right now it's like my a podcast. Woman. You're very possessive. Oh, my God. <laughs> you are a d- <laughs> uh, All right, so send us... Hey, 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 this is kid-friendly. <laughs> you take that back. I'll bleep Sorry, it out. we're going to bleep that. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so if you live outside the United States, take a little screenshot, screen captures of your uh, iTunes reviews and send it to us. I'd love to read them. Yes, yes. Now, uh, judging from Charlie's slip, this is going to be a very difficult podcast. Um, yeah, we screwed up already. All right, so Canadian reviews. Uh, yeah, um, there are actually only four of them. <laughs> but the good news is we got five stars on every single one of them. So um, at, at thanks, least Canada. Cana- er, Canada. Canada? Canada. Canaan? Yeah. yeah, see, children, you can be stupid just like me. <laughs> <laughs> but at least Canada, at least four people like us up there. So maybe our listener count is up to maybe 14 if we... If yeah, we, we, haven't, we haven't counted the Canadians. Yeah. And what I like is this review that we're going to read. It comes from Critical Canuck. And from what I've understood, calling uh, Canadians Canucks was always like a derogatory term. So I like this guy's turning it around on himself. But Uh, Yeah, so we got a um, review from Critical Canuck. Five stars. Yes, two exclamation points. Five stars and two exclamation points. I think that equals a sixth star. (laughs) He appreciates a thoroughly researched yet lighthearted approach to heavy issues. Um, episode number 26, that's the LDS advice to young men. Don't listen to that one, kids. Yes. No. You guys aren't allowed. (laughs) Have me laughing more than any comedy film I've seen this year. Yes. Woohoo! Well, obviously there haven't been very good comedy films out there for a while. That's true. That that may be a low bar. Yeah, well, this is Canada we're talking about. They're still getting the 60s films that we toss aside. Uh, God. (laughs) Mickey Love seventy six gives us five stars and wants to really hear about our views on Jehovah's Witnesses, Buddhism, Scientology, and Islam. Uh, also wants to hear about uh, Mormonism and the Mormon Temple ceremony. We're going to get to that one. Yeah, yeah. If Charlie can get his dates right and maybe research a topic before telling everybody we're going to do it, <laughs> we're getting on it as soon as possible. All right, what do we have on the regular iTunes, the, well, the, the <laughs> United States The United iTunes. States, the important iTunes. Okay. Well, uh, the, the, the one that I really liked was going straight to but it's a smooth trip. And this guy actually gives me my greatest compliment of the year. He says, sometimes you find that certain something that you hope nobody knows that you listen to or read, be it porn, satanic literature, or S&M magazines. Kids, stay away from that, too. Oh, my God. 
This qualifies as one of those. That is one of my favorite compliments. Thank you very much. We're supposed to be keeping this kid friendly, Layton. Well, we just, I said porn and S&M. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I'm explaining to the kids what it is. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. We're uh, going to have to cut out entire sections. <laughs> Cairo Quinn gives us seven stars out of five. He says, I regret that I have but five stars to give for this podcast. Thank you, Cairo Quinn. Yes, yes. And then, of course, we've got one of the best things on iTunes, Chicago Daniel. Maybe we should just start naming ourselves. Maybe we're Salt Lake City Chuck or something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, The Dave Burns. The Dave Burns. The Dave Burns. Uh, It says, Beavis and Butthead grew up, went to college, and decided to put on an informative, skeptical podcast. I kind of like that one, too. Beavis and Butthead. That's a a great simile of us. However, I would like to point out that Charlie's misogynistic on his choice because he completely skipped Chantel, who pointed out that she's a Salt Lake City agnostic, and she actually thanked us for putting this on. So, nicely done, you misogynistic... To make it up to you, Leighton, uh, Sasha Pixley, who I hope is a, a female and not like Sasha Baron Cohen, a male, <laughs> uh, gives us five stars, awesomely irreverent. All right, excellent. Um, so, uh, should we move? Now, we've got oh, one more right. before we actually move into the flood. Now, this one made it because it's an email from Katie where she says, uh, the last podcast we did had her laughing so hard that she nearly ran over an old woman who was crossing the highway. And because of this, she's debating whether or not she, she should listen to us in the car. Now, personally, Katie, I think you should continue listening because the more old people we get off the streets, the safer it'll be for the rest of us. Yeah, don't worry about this. Get back to us when you've actually run over an old lady. Yes, yes. <laughs> not nearly. However, she would like to thank Jesus for Cthulhu. Um, yeah, Cthulhu. All right, um, so we're done here. Let's move on into the topic for this week, which is... The Flood and the evidence behind it. Right, uh, so why the flood didn't happen. So why didn't it happen, Leighton? Well, first... How we structured this is Charlie has gone in and he has found all the scientific evidence against it, whereas I have found the uh, evidence for it by uh, by the naturalists or the young eight earth creationists, the creationists, whatever. Uh, and the evidence is in quotes. Yes, evidence that. is in quotes, and trust me, we'll get to that. But what I love is that EarthAge.org they actually state that the flood. It's also about God's future judgment on mankind. And that's because Jesus Christ himself related the great flood of Noah's day to his own return to earth to reign over it and the people in it. So basically, when Jesus comes back, he's going to kill us all again. Now, exactly where they're getting this from is actually uh, one of them is Luke 17, 20 to 27. And verse 26 states, And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. So there you have Jesus himself saying, uh, actually, according to Catholic or Christian, mainstream Christian theology, uh, he sent the flood, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice, meek Jesus killed every living thing on earth, the exception of one boat. Now, the one thing I've always found about that is, uh, accordingly, God killed all of mankind, except for this one family, because they were so wicked. Well, what did these animals do to you, God? I mean, seriously... Were you getting uh, gay penguins? Is that that what you're against? Let's read it. All right. Um, So starting at Genesis 6, verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. 
And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart, because, you know, clearly he's not all-knowing. Of course not. Um, this was a total surprise. This to him. surprised him. I mean, he's not <laughs> omniscient in the least because, oh wow, look at my creations. They're evil. He turns around. He starts paying attention, I guess, after a while, and says, "Oh man, did I screw up in creating these?" Yeah, guys. maybe it's like the Greek gods, where one of the gods would distract them so the other could do something. I mean, <laughs> the Holy Ghost is like playing poker. Poker with him. with him. Yeah, you know, craps in the corner. Yeah. And the Lord said, "I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast." And the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. And then this is the point that you're bringing up. Well, well the animals apparently are sitting too. Yeah, what exactly are the animals doing that is so grievous to you? You know, God's up there saying, I hate those ducks. Yeah. Those <laughs> ducks are really pissing me off. Look at those ducks. They have mankind's evil just falling don't, all over them. Don't even get me started on a dung beetle. That's just disgusting. Oh, oh and then you have those goats. I mean, them I walking am, around going, I mean, just really stop it. I am so mad at myself right now <laughs> for creating those. <laughs> but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Oh, it's good that Noah, out of all these animal kingdom, can find grace yeah. with God. Uh, yeah, yeah. God doesn't like chickens, but he likes Noah. Yeah, yeah well, that's because the chickens wake him up in the morning. Uh, the earth was also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Well, if he would have been paying attention rather than playing poker with the Holy Ghost, he might have been able to do something about I it. I just figured out why he killed the animals. He said the world was filled with violence. Yeah. So, obviously, when it comes to the Well, he animals, created them. Yeah, well, he created them, but because the carnivores were hunting down the herbivores and such things, <laughs> there was violence. But that's what he did. Yeah. That's how he set it up. And then he saved them, of course. So, maybe I'm a little wrong. Uh, yeah. God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. <laughs> gopher wood? I don't know. <laughs> Rooms shalt thou make in the ark. And shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. I'm glad he specified that. Yeah, yeah. What, you, what else are you going to pitch it with? I don't with? know. Paint? Spit? Paint, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pitch it with... Lots and lots of saliva? Just put a bunch of grease on there. Once again, we're know. trying to be clean here. <laughs> and this is a fashion which thou shalt make it of. Uh, the length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, and the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. Now, the Lord's given him blueprints here. Hey, if you were Noah, wouldn't you say, God, why don't you make it yourself? <laughs> God, you created the universe. You can't just why snap you... your fingers and there's a boat. Why are you making me do it? <laughs> and not only that, why are you making me build it and I have yeah. to save your creatures that you're pissed off at? Exactly. Why, why don't you just kill them all? And then snap your fingers and create them again. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I'm sure you could even create more men. Just, you know, pile up some clay, rip out a rib here and there. Let's go. <laughs> Behold, I... Even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. <laughs> God's using multiple dependent clauses here. Even and, I? And everything that is in the earth shall die. Again, you know, what did the mosquito? Why? why what oh, the, the mosquito deserves to die. Well, how about wasps or bees? I, they I make honey. So much. Well, without bees, the uh, plant life would Yeah, die. exactly. Yeah. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark. Or kind, I guess is what the... Yeah. Uh, to keep them alive with thee, they shall be male and female. 
of fowls after their kind and of cattle after their kind. Wait, wait, wait. Every Male creeping and female? thing. There go our gay penguins. They're going to die. Yeah. Well, you can't. <laughs> you can't reproduce. Uh, God's probably pissed off at those gay penguins for rolling the stones rolling in the stones place of the and eggs. Stealing the eggs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was Satan's plan. Um, blah, 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 that blah. That may have been why the unicorns never made it on the ark. They were all gays. <laughs> and take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten. So the plants too. And thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. So God's saying, take all of the animals into the ark, and take a bunch of plants and food with thee as, as well. You know, that's actually very interesting. I've never noticed that, that God stated the plants should go on the ark yeah. as well. I mean, that's very And about now, Noah's going, A, God, I don't think this ark is big enough. B, the weight of all that plant matter and all the animals... I don't. I don't think this yeah, is. I don't think a three hundred cubit boat. Uh, yeah, three hundred cubit boat is about four hundred and fifty feet long. Cubits variable. It's supposedly the length from your elbow to the tip of your finger. Um, so I don't know if maybe Noah was like Andre the Giant and he these <laughs> massive forearms. <laughs> Well, um, you know, back in those times, they did live longer. It's like a tree. Yeah. Every year, a ring forms around him, get, makes him bigger. Yeah, Noah's, I think, about 600 years old, which makes building the ark a lot harder. But he had seven other people to help him, I guess. Yeah, that helps. So the flood itself. This is in uh, Genesis 7. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee I have seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens. Now, didn't he just say... By twos? By twos? Yes. And I, of beasts that are not clean by two. So so in one part it says two by two, and the other it says, you know, the clean ones take seven of them. And so you've got a week. He says, for yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. That's an important line. Remember that. Um, so Lo Noah did it, and he said he was 600 years old when the floodwaters was upon the earth. In, in verse 7, he says, And Noah went in, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him, into the ark, because of the waters of the flood. Of clean beasts and beasts that are not clean, of fowls and everything that creepeth upon the earth. There went in two and two unto Noah the ark. There it is, two and two again. Uh, and it came to pass, after seven days, the waters of the flood were upon the earth. And then it resets, it kind of rewinds. Um, in verse 11, In the 600th year of Noah's life, <laughs> more specific now, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of the heaven were open. Uh, oh, it doesn't rewind yet. And the the rain was upon the day, um, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And now it rewinds. In the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons, and with them into the ark. They and every beast after its kind, and all the cattle. So now we're going into the ark again. Two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. They that went in went in male and female of all flesh, as God hath commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. And the flood was 40 days upon the earth, so now it flooded again. Um, so that's basically the story. Um, I think and they're floating Charlie around. has just proved how boring it is even to listen to it. Oh, my God. It's horrible. <laughs> they're floating around, I think, for about a year. And then uh, um, Noah sends out like a dove or a raven or whatever, brings back a branch, and then they land in, in I believe it was Ararat. a raven first. The raven didn't come back, and then he sent out a dove, which came back carrying a, a branch. Gotcha. So. so that's the story. Um, so for those of you who do believe in a literal flood, or for those of you more uh, to the point, have to argue with people <laughs> who believe in a literal flood. <laughs> Which, trust me, there will come an argument where this Absolutely. is concerned. All right, so let's launch into some of the problems uh, with, this, with these various yeah. flood models. The logistics, everything. Let's hit them. Uh, first, even in, in modern times, uh, you know, wood isn't the best 
uh, material to build large boats out of. It's great for small boats, little canoes, uh, skiffs. Um, the, the Greeks uh, and, and Egyptians uh, often fought on these boats as, as mobile platforms, but they weren't large. Even with modern techniques, the largest modern wooden boats we can get is about 300 feet. Well, and one major reason because of this is because wood is not strong enough to hold that much mass. You start getting into these large boats, and you put that much weight on a center position as uh, the bottom of the boat gets, and it will start to crack. It's unstable. It, it's not going to last. Right. The, the um, boats, like I said, even in modern times, have to be reinforced with iron strips because the wood swells. Uh, when it comes in contact with water, the weight shifts back and forth, and it causes leaks. Uh, so the you know modern crews are constantly pumping out these, um, <laughs> these you know bilges of water uh, in order to stay afloat. They just weren't listening to God and did not put enough pitch on their boat. Clearly, yeah. um, on the outside and the inside, <laughs> God specified. Now in modern times, it's three hundred feet. The ark was four hundred and fifty feet long. Right, that, that's um, the pitch. It was, uh, yeah pitch. <laughs> Keep in mind, again, the crew is eight people, so they'd have to be pumping water and feeding and taking care of all the animals at the same time. Well, eight people could do it if they were robots. Eight people and a bunch of angels. Yes. Hail Michael, the royal pooper scooper. <laughs> what about all these um, animals that have special requirements, right? What about um, penguins and polar bears? Did you refrigerate <laughs> certain sections of the ark? Uh, yeah, that's that's actually a very good point. I mean, we're talking climate control. Not only refrigerate, what what about tropical climates? Yeah. What about snakes, lizards, insects that require constant right. humidity lizards and Lizards that, that are um, cold-blooded, that require heat sources from the outside. Yeah. Absolutely, good point. Uh, apparently, they had um, lamps on one end yes, of the ark yes. and a bunch of dry ice on the other. <laughs> <laughs> I can see heating lamps and uh, half the crew is over there. <laughs> And I'll, what they did is they must have taken the animals and split them up equally between cold-blooded and warm-blooded. Right. That way the ark didn't tip with all the animals running towards the heated <laughs> exactly. side. Exactly. <laughs> Who want the warmth? All the cats and the dog. Um, how about uh, animals that require certain special diets, such as koalas? Did Noah bring along a bunch of eucalyptus trees? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he, he had them out back uh, near yeah. the window because, you know, we all know plants need sunlight to grow. Yeah, how about strict carnivores where um, you, know, <laughs> you require a bunch of <laughs> other animals? <laughs> Is this what happened to the unicorns? <laughs> well, that's, that's why he brought seven of the clean animals aboard right. so they could that's shovel more towards the unclean to feed them. <laughs> Of the carnivores. The predators. They're the ones that are the, the unclean. The predators, right. They, that's what happened to the other five mates <laughs> <laughs> over the year time. Wow, those things floating. must have been just thin as rails. There are also uh, many animals that feed on only one plant, right? For, yeah. Like thousands of plant species that have um, animals that only feed on them. Did he bring a whole bunch of these uh, plant species and, and just save... Uh, just uh, two, I guess. Well, yeah. Plants that are sexually reproducing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like the silkworms. They only eat mulberry leaves. Right. So you got to have a bunch of the mulberry leaves. Well, on um, the... what about the dung beetle? 
That's how they took care of the waste. They <laughs> just rolled it right off. But they only have two. They only have two dung beetles. Yeah, how about the snakes that uh, only eat warm, moving things? <laughs> Once Those again, poor mice. That's the seven clean animals yeah. that were sacrificed. You know, herbivores that require continual supply of fresh plants. I guess that an entire section of the ark was a um, greenhouse. What? Was that the tropical area? That... Again, must be why he had one window installed. It was just one giant window to allow sunlight. Oh, wait. It was raining. There was no sunlight. <laughs> A magnifying glass, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> but that would burn up all the ants, so he right. couldn't have that. <laughs> and you only have two ants, right? Yeah, only two. Hmm. Uh, how about dodos, which, you know, rapidly went extinct because they didn't, they didn't have any natural predators, right? Because they live on islands. Yep. So yep. when we discovered them... You know, you'd walk right up to them and club them on the head. <laughs> how did they survive? How did they get off the islands and onto the ark? That, that's a very good point. Or how did they get off the ark and onto the islands in the first place? What, uh, uh, did they run across dry land and then, oh, yeah, God right. said, oop, there's more water. Let's just shovel it this way and, oop, they're yeah. trapped. When the ark landed, how did the polar bears get back to the Arctic? <laughs> they all did, started in Turkey. Yeah, how did we get this dissemination of animals all yeah. throughout the world? And why did koala bears only go back to Australia, right? Yeah. yeah. Why, why are, you only why find, like, US? lots of marsupials you only find in Australia. How'd that happen? I post art. Yeah. Uh, some I know we're getting a lot of this stuff. There's a great article on this um, on talk.origins uh, by Mark Isaac. It's fantastic. We're getting a lot of this stuff directly from that article. It's great. I highly recommend anyone who's interested in debating this to, to read that article. Yeah. Um, how about uh, some cave dwelling creatures that can only survive in 100% humidity? Um, now that's good because it was raining most of the time, yeah. right? 40 yeah. days and 40 nights. Um, but but in that environment, how can you keep food from getting spoiled or or massive amounts of mold? Um, you know, this is prior to refrigeration. Well, now, uh, 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 that's where the ice for the polar bears comes in handy. They were shut. <laughs> they were hiding their food in the ice. <laughs> All right. How about uh, scurvy? You know, um, in order to avoid scurvy, this is a a big problem with uh, early day sailors. Exactly. They would yeah. they'd sail out. And uh, if they were gone for long periods of time, they didn't have fresh fruit to give them the vitamin C, and they'd have problems with scurvy. Well, that's where the greenhouse comes in. He's already growing yeah. plants, eucalyptus, uh, mulberry. So I mean, he's got to have orange trees and, and yeah, all this stuff. I, I mean, wow. I, I don't think a 450-foot-long ship is enough to hold these plants. <laughs> so how did all this stuff fit in the ark? Now, the creationists will say, you know, y you misunderstand. You know, I, I realize that there are millions of different species. Um, but the Bible just says kinds, right? Different kinds. And Kent Hovind gives you a definition of kind, right? He goes, oh, good. even a five-year-old can tell you, you know, um, the different kinds. So all you needed was one dog. You don't need different species of dogs. Uh, <laughs> so well, you don't need like a Chihuahua and a Great Dane. All you need is one dog. So wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me that... And dog and wolves are the same kind, right? Because they look the same. So what did God do? As soon as they got off the ark, he just started ripping ribs out of everybody and creating these <laughs> other species? I mean, these other kinds of dogs? Well, it brings up the problem because it says in the Bible that the reason he takes them two by two is so that one can mate with the other and then replenish the earth. So it, it uh, the kinds actually imply reproductive isolation. So um, based on the Bible, the whole reason you bring these guys on there so they can reproduce each other and, and fill the, the rest of the earth. So these kinds really, the different kinds have to be separated by difference in reproduction. So if you can't reproduce with, uh, you know, if a dog can't reproduce with a cat, those are two different kinds. Now, one thing I would like to bring up is not only 
did he have to separate them two by two with animals, but he must have separated them male and female as well. Because can you imagine putting two animals on there, say a couple of cats or a couple of guinea pigs? You would have babies crawling out your wazoo. Rabbits. Rabbits. Yeah. Rats. Um, mice. And by the way, um, what about <laughs> what about earthworms, which are hermaphrodites? <laughs> <laughs> Did he carry on two by two of those? <laughs> <laughs> they just look at each other like so. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe he was looking at them going, why aren't they mating? And he says male and female of, of all the species. What about whiptail lizards that are parthenogenetic? That, 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 um, <laughs> they're all female. <laughs> they lay eggs and the eggs are fertilized and the entire species is female. Well, they're that asexual. Must, maybe God was as confused as Moses and said, just take two of them. We'll, we'll figure yeah. it out as we go. Noah's like, whatever. Two yeah. Komodo dragons. Two Komodo dragons. Bring two sharks. Male and female. <laughs> I'd love to see the shark tank he had on there. <laughs> so, um, fitting, fitting these guys in the ark. Look, if there were fewer kinds, then there are species today. In other words, if these kinds then kind of fanned out into all the different species that we have, that creates a massive problem for the creationists because that, the flood apparently occurred about 4,400 years ago. So that's yeah. 2,400 BC. Um, if you have just a few kinds, then... In order to get from 2400 BC to the amount of species that we have today, you're positing massive amounts of macro evolution, much more than scientists do. You know, a, a good thought just popped up into my head when we brought up the sharks. Of course, Moses wasn't bringing sharks on there. He was only bringing land dwelling. However, if we had... What do you mean, of course? Hey, shut up. I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> if if, if the, um, the amount of mud and, and uh, debris that would be churning through the water and the amount of fresh water that would happen decrease the salinity. Wait, wait, wait. I was getting to that point. You're taking my thumb. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> but we have coral shelves that are disappearing because we are changing the chemical stasis of the oceans. So what exactly happened to the oceans? Why is it he wasn't saving the ocean animals as well, yeah. keeping them in their own salinity. You can't just assume that all the fish would survive because some fish require um, massive amounts of brackish water. Some require ocean salinity. Some require freshwater salinity and massive variations in between the two. So if you change the salinity and then you add all the debris so that the fish get clogged up their gills, they can't breathe, yep. they would die as well in a massive flood. Yeah. So you can't just assume that they, they survive. Yeah, he would have to bring on not only land but ocean creatures as well in order pr to yeah. preserve life. Right. So this boat is getting awful tiny. <laughs> so how about the ventilation? <laughs> this becomes a problem, of course, because it only has one window. Isn't that right? Yeah, only one the window. The rest of window. it is sealed with pitch. God is very specific. Seal it, it with is, pitch. It is watertight. Uh, so out of this one window has to escape all of the farts that the animals <laughs> create on a daily basis no we actually this is why noah and his family were all on the deck <laughs> <laughs> i mean think about it this is why we have global warming going on we have so many cows being raised right now for meat that all of their methane emissions is causing global warming exactly so they're farting so much so just imagine this 450 you... foot arc yeah this 450 foot arc sealed and you're inside of there with all of these animals just farting left and right <laughs> oh dear god <laughs> lord make it stop someone don't how did they see because anybody who lit a match on that arc would just, I mean, that the would be the end. <laughs> and that, you know, how do you manage all the waste? 
Oh, um, some of these animals have to be below the water line, right? Yep. I suppose you could put the Tyrannosaurus, who's going to produce massive amounts of waste, up on top, so you could just sort of kick it out. You know, if you're not going to get eaten by the Tyrannosaurus Rex and the Velociraptors, you just kind of kick it out before you get chomped on. You know, that actually reminds me of my childhood. I, I was raised on a bit of a ranch sort of thing, and we had between 50 and 20 goats. And while we were building this this large fenced-off area, we had them penned up for about a year in a 40 by 40 foot area. Yeah, it is difficult to understand the magnitude of this waste management problem unless you've actually dealt with yeah. this stuff yourself. Yeah, unless you've dealt with it. So, I mean, I was about 12, 13 at this time, and after a single year of these 15 to 20 goats in this 40 by 40 foot pen, <laughs> the poop and the urine had piled up past my knee. Yep. They were able to climb over the fence that yep. we had built for them, and we actually had to build the fence higher because we still weren't done with and, the other fence. how fronts. many goats did you have? 15 to 20. 15 to 20. How many people were taking care of this? Me. And it was exactly a year. Exactly a that year. That the ark floated on the water. Yeah. So you have eight people. <laughs> eight. <laughs> Taking care of this yeah, let, let for me a tell year you, for every kind of animal there is. As someone who has had to shovel this stuff, it is a full-time job, especially <laughs> with just goats. Goats. So I can only imagine an elephant. I mean, if you've ever seen the YouTube video where the elephant craps on the guy and kills him because there's so much crap there's, coming out of him. That was a Darwin Award oh, where that? the zookeeper <laughs> kept shoving an enema into, oh, into the, the elephant. elephant. Yeah. And finally he got in there and the elephant just erupted and killed him <laughs> under like 600 pounds or something. I don't know. Several hundred pounds uh, of yeah, feces. So, so I, I'm sorry for no Moses's family, or not Moses, Noah's, Noah's family. Some people, some of them had to die. Yeah, there had to have been deaths left and right. Oops, that's why we... Well, like uh, I said, remember some of these animals have to be below the waterline. Um, so that waste has to be carted up above deck to be thrown out the side. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we Very had one opening. And not only that, it was one opening besides the opening they sealed when the animals come on. So every single drop of waste had to be carted up to that one right. window they had. So, um, did you did Noah have a treadmill? <laughs> Remember, this is a year that they're kept yeah. above the water, pinned, pinned, pinned inside four hundred and fifty feet. You got cheetahs, <laughs> you got wolves, you got dogs, you got cats, you got ducks, you got chickens, uh, geckos. <laughs> Can you imagine how fat these animals would be if they're eating all the time and they're not exercising? Well, maybe they were just creating veal. I mean, maybe. They, they, they take these lambs and they put them in little boxes so they can't move, so the meat will be very tender. That's maybe what there Moses was a track were. around the edge of the ark oh. that he'd let the cheetahs in. <laughs> and he'd have, like, he'd have to run in front of them with a deer, a picture of a gazelle or something. Yeah, or, or it was automated like the dog races. They just have that <laughs> rabbit that goes around and yeah. all the animals are chasing each other. They had the unicorn. And that's, you know, yeah. they eventually got caught. Yeah, that, that explains why we don't have <laughs> unicorns. Uh, so, you know, how do you keep the animals from getting fat and out of shape? Um, and then a, a massive problem. Where did all this water come from for the flood, and where did it go? Remember, yeah. in the original story that was cribbed from the Enuma Elish, you had the firmament, which separated the waters below from the waters above. And the Bible says the firmament opened and all this water poured down, right? Yeah. So that leads some of the creationists to come up with this vapor canopy idea. Where the world was surrounded by this this layer of, of water vapor, apparently. Um, <laughs> there's there's just a couple problems with that. Just a couple. Um, one, why? How does sun 
get through something yeah. like this vapor barrier to warm. We would freeze. Right. Any amount of thickness of a water vapor, if you surround the earth in it, is going to decrease the uh, temperature the before temperature. the flood. Yeah. So apparently Noah was in the middle of this ice age. Well, he had great, great heating in the ark. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and then if you allow the water vapor to go through the atmosphere, um, you know, anytime you bring something down uh, through the atmosphere, if you've ever seen a, a picture of the shuttle or, or anything like that, you know, going through, uh, it heats up substantially yeah, super just because of friction. Um, so this is a problem with the vapor canopy model and also Kent Hovind's model where a comet came and dropped it off. I was telling you before the podcast, yeah. um, one of my uncles with a straight face uh, said, you know, because I asked him, how do you explain coal and oil deposits without recourse to millions of years, right, Yeah. A, of, of organic material being compressed? He said, he looked at me like I was an idiot and said, I can't believe you're swallowing that theory when obviously the, all the oil and coal on the earth was deposited by a gigantic comet. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, has this man ever seen a shuttle come back? He looked at me like I was an idiot. Uh, and I, I looked at him and I said... Um, why would that have not ignited uh, when, it, when it hit the atmosphere, thus burning the entire atmosphere of the Earth? How could that have made it all the way through? And he looked at me and said, oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. th- th- this is the type Wonderful. of argument you're going to get when you talk to people. So either of those, you know, the vapor canopy model or, or the, the comet, this amount of water would superheat upon entering the atmosphere. Thereby changing its chemical makeup. Absolutely. And probably probably boil, um, certainly boil all of Noah. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine that much steam floating around? If not, boil the entire atmosphere off, you know, superheating the atmosphere. I wonder if God was sitting up there smelling the savory meat and thinking it was good for him, too. (laughs) (laughs) Noah's savory meat. Um, Also, if you get above the atmosphere, you have no ozone layer. Uh, to prevent the the photons, the light from breaking down the uh, hydrogen and, and oxygen, so you wouldn't have water anyway. Yeah. Um, but you know these guys, they're not hung up on science, pretty much. Yeah. So that yeah. doesn't bother them. And you know, and God can snap his fingers and make it a miracle. But but if he does, where does this whole story come from in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Why? Why does it matter? Why doesn't God just snap his fingers and all the unholy people just die? <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that that be more powerful? I mean, then you don't have people like us sitting here going, God, you're an idiot. Yeah. Really. What are you doing? (laughs) Um, There is no evidence of the flood in ice cores or tree ring samples. You know, ice cores going back tens of thousands of years, we got no evidence for a worldwide flood. You'd have debris uh, in there. You'd have changes in salinity. You'd have some type of evidence. Tree rings um, seem to have been unperturbed by the flood. (laughs) (laughs) Not only tree rings, but civilizations. China, Egypt, not a single one of them brings up a worldwide flood. Not... Yeah. None of now, them. Remember, yeah. 4,400 years ago, 2,400 B.C., well within uh, China's dynasties, well within Egyptian dynasties, well within multiple empires of the um, Mesopotamia, Mediterranean that we have documented evidence from, no one seems to have noticed yeah. this. We have pyramids from that time age, so why <laughs> is it these pyramids don't show water damage? Why are they so dry still? Why are they still there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you'd think that all that external pressure would have crushed them. Wait, wait, wait. The pyramids were built by aliens, so... That's true. Yeah, so they're yeah. super. They're super. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, the existence of polar ice caps presents a problem. What would have happened, you would have flooded the entire world, thus breaking up the ice caps. I'm pretty melting sure them. ice floats as well. So wouldn't these ice caps have Right, it would have lifted, around? broken, um, melted. And they certainly, uh, in Greenland, the, the climate over the last 10,000 years does not uh, allow for the regrowth. You know, you have a change in the um, refractiveness, I think. So it... it Instead of the Earth absorbing it, it's all reflected off of it, and that uh, causes um, decreased heat, right? So yep. that's the only yep. uh, reason that why these ice caps were there was because they were there already there, <laughs> but the temperature wouldn't allow them to reform in the last ten thousand years. No, not even close. Um, there's no trace of the flood on seafloors. We should be seeing lots of debris move from other places. Um, Land-dwelling mammals <laughs> dead on, in the Just bottom of the sea. On the floor. Not Different a... grain sizes because it's been churned up. Um, you know. I wonder why all these stratas just stay the same. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, and by the way, in the geological column, which we see the entire geological column uh, in North Dakota, yeah. um, there is no evidence for a worldwide flood. Surprisingly enough, now wow. the creationists will say, "Oh well, you know, it was sorted, right? Of um, course, yeah. it, it it was sorted, um, and the flood explains the geologic column, like the the um, yeah, Grand the, Canyon, the, the different heavier weights of the mud, Correct. the clay settling in those layers. Um, slight problem." Uh, did God also look back and think, ooh, these fossils I'm going to plant <laughs> in these certain areas, they right. should weigh exactly right. as these grains do, right? So. Apparently, God made the bacteria, the single-celled organisms, a lot denser than the multicellular yeah. organisms, yeah. and so they all floated to the down, like to the bottom, like bricks. <laughs> <laughs> because in the in the earliest layers, the deepest layers, all you have is single-celled organisms, and then a little higher than that, you've got multicellular organisms, and then you have invertebrates, and then you have vertebrates, yeah. which the invertebrates are, you know. Are less dense than the vertebrates. They shouldn't. They they should sink a lot slower than the vertebrates. You know Dinosaurs what? should be all the way to the bottom. You know what that tells me? That tells me that we are getting lighter, and soon we will be able to fly, just without <laughs> just without anything else. We are getting lighter as evolution and progresses. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Not one dinosaur, not one T Rex, not one Velociraptor, Brontosaurus, Pterodactyl got up to the highest layers. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't we just have a brontosaurus with his neck above the water, just kind of walking around going, uh. I mean, come on. Come on. Um, so why do we find mollusks in multiple layers? You know, we have all these geological strata, and mollusks um, uh, cross all these strata. They're why? the cockroach of geology. Yeah. <laughs> you know, geologists have very good explanations for this because they fill out an ecological niche. They, they've become very well adapted to that niche that they're in, and they existed for millions and millions of years. Yeah, they're cockroaches. There is no good explanation creationists have for why the mollusks didn't sink <laughs> uniformly. <laughs> well, every generation that came forward, God made them lighter. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but they're all deposited the same place. You know, you're tearing apart my theory here. <laughs> Why do no human artifacts sink to the bottom? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, this is Noah's time. There weren't any swords. There weren't any tools to build the ark. Come on, so armor, metal is really dense. Yeah, yeah. That should sink all the way to the bottom. Yeah, that should be somewhere down there with the single-celled yeah. organisms. Well, I mean. At least dinosaurs. 
Why are there no human artifacts in the dinosaur layer? Oh, oh God. Why are they all found in the uppermost layers, right? Yep. Um, there's no – the principle of hydrologic sorting, which is what the – you know, um, sorting by density within water, which is what the creationists say caused all these layers. And Kent Hovind's very fond of taking this, you know, this sand and, and all and the shaking different it up, dense yeah. grains and shaking it up and it, it sorts itself. It's based on density. Um and I guess sandwiched between those two layers, I suppose also between size of the grains. But yeah, yeah. Um, why also are all you know the pollen and the spores of the same plants all nicely sorted within the same layer? <laughs> <laughs> why? Because plants and their pollen, that's different density, right? They should sink down. But amazingly enough, God made the, the pollens and the plants... All sorted within the same layer. He's Unbelievable. omniscient. He knew he was going to get pissed off, and instead of just snapping his fingers and kill everybody, a, a great flood. So he made everything during right. that time area or time frame way the same. Within the same, right? Yeah. Uh, sort to the same layer. It's absolutely unbelievable. Um, God also made it look exactly like evolution occurred. <laughs> like we said, single cell organisms, deepest layers, multicellular organisms, invertebrates, vertebrates. Well, um, it's it's unbelievable this how is, God did that. This is something we talked about in the New Testament ethics, where we pointed out that God, God is, is a p and he likes to stop us from using our brain by right. throwing out evidence. Right, and he uses the flood as He as, fools us in our hearts so he can punish us later on for fooling us. Now, there are certain layers, um, such as like the Grand Canyon or in North Dakota or, or other areas where the, the geologic column is, is kind of uh, eroded so we can see the, all the different layers. Um, or, you know, it's been pushed up so yeah. we can see these different layers. Um, what we see in some of those layers are fossilized raindrops. <laughs> <laughs> those are sandwiched between two different layers. So how did these raindrops get fossilized? <laughs> After the flood? <laughs> during the flood. Well, not only during, be during the flood. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. These because ones... these layers are formed as the flood waters settle, right? That's true. That's true. How can we get river, river channels that are fossilized in there? Wind-blown dunes that are in there. How about salt plumes <laughs> in the flood? Well, you know, salt plumes, the, the current theory that science proposes is that you have saltwater bodies, right? And they have an intake of fresh water, so a river is... Uh, constantly pouring the stuff in, so it, it, it equilibrates. So you have as much evaporating as is being put in. Yeah. Um, then you get your freshwater um, source cut off. So you know a mudslide, something prevents it from going in there, and then all the water evaporates, and you're left with a salt plume, which is then, of course, um, covered up by geological time by different layers, uh, and that's how it occurs. And then you have like a sea uh, on top of it, <laughs> another body of water. Um, how does salt, which is very soluble in water, um, how do you have these plumes, these layers of salt, form in a flood? Well, that's what happened when he dumped down all the fresh water. All the salt was heavy, <laughs> so it settled at the bottom. Right. It precipitated <laughs> out. Precipitated out, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, how, how about worm burrows that get fossilized, or uh, footprints, or coral reefs? Or, or cracks that, that, that are from desiccation. <laughs> well, you know We've what? all seen when like, mud dries and it desiccates and it cracks. Yep. And then you have that filled in by another layer. How does that happen during the flood? Well, I think the worm theory is maybe God meant for the worms to die and he didn't realize that they would just keep digging through the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> they survived the they, flood. They thwarted God. <laughs> they thwarted God. They, 
Uh, of course, these are hundreds of feet below the surface, so amazingly enough, they could live without oxygen. Yeah, well, they don't need it. I mean... Worms burl up at nighttime to get air. Or it, when it rains, they go out on the sidewalks. No, these worms were smart. They had scuba tanks. <laughs> <laughs> they, they heated Noah. <laughs> um, meteorite craters, right? Forests, which are laid on top... These forests are layered one on top of another, often with... Um, layers of ash in between of them because it burned down, right? So you have a forest, a layer of ash, another forest, layered on top of each other. Isn't that amazing that that happened in the flood? It picked up entire forests and it uprooted them and put it back down? I have no explanation for that. <laughs> God is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. All-powerful. He can do anything. He do yeah, he's just casting doubt in our hearts for some How, strange reason. You know, we have different fossils with different amounts of mineralization, right? So we have human remains which, you know, are, are thousands of years old. Um, we have Egyptian remains, mummified. Yep. Yep. We, we've buried in sand pits. We've, we've picked up um, uh, bog men that are 5,000 years yeah, old. Frozen Neanderthals. Yeah. Um, don't exhibit very much mineralization because this takes a long, long time. Uh, dinosaurs are almost uh, entirely mineralized, extensive mineralization, very, very fossilized. Um, and you have all the way in between. So how does the flood explain that all dinosaurs are extensively mineralized and no humans. <laughs> how does that, how do they explain that? Uh, that was God changing the density so dinosaurs would float up. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they got down below. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, and other animals have various stages of mineralization depending on what layer they're in. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, how, how did modern plant species survive, right? Most of the plants and their seeds would be killed if they were submerged for a year. I think, especially if they're soaked in salt water. Yes, yes. Um, the salinity would drag out the, the right. purity. Um, they can't deal with it on a sudden basis. Uh, so, <laughs> creationists have proposed various vegetation mats. <laughs> These massive mats of vegetation where, curiously enough, plants and animals could have survived but that's not in the bible god he said save he wiped me from your people <laughs> god said he wiped out everything except for what was in the ark so there's no biblical evidence for um vegetation mats floating vegetation mats where yeah. koalas uh, survived yeah. and, on and why don't we have noah talking about how he's looking out the window and oop look there goes an island of vegetation right, mats exactly. floating so by so you have to disbelieve the story as it's written in the bible to believe these creationists whose entire purpose of putting this evidence forth is, is to, to support prove the, yeah it. yeah it's horrible yeah, makes a lot of sense uh, when the waters receded a lot of the plants would be buried under hundreds of feet of sediment Topsoils would have been stripped by a global flood. How in the world do you get plants, then, with no topsoil? <laughs> no established soil. Well, uh, God already took care of the salt layers, the, uh, the salt yeah. plumes, so he, he, he planned He just this. snapped his fingers. Yeah. Um, how about diseases? <laughs> how That's did syphilis survive? Point. Well, uh, Chlamydia, measles, chicken pox. Speaking of diseases, Bubonic plague. speaking of diseases, in our Atheist News Network, we did, uh, in a rather offensive, comical way, brought up AIDS and how it was brought by monkeys. So, what about all the diseases all these animals Noah was yeah. carrying on his ark? Why, what why what about parasites? Yeah. Did did uh, Noah grab a Two bunch of, of every <laughs> parasite and every disease? <laughs> infected some animals. Maybe that's why they brought extra seven. animals. Yeah, along. yeah. Maybe that's where the seven came. From. I suppose they could say that. Um, 
the, Satan created all the bacteria oh, and the diseases, and he just recreated sense. them. Yeah. I mean, so the flood would be a massive inconvenience for Satan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could just see oh, Satan going there. They're like, God, that's why you didn't snap your fingers. You're just trying to thwart me. Where's my blueprints for malaria? Oh, I, I got to be I around here them. somewhere. Maybe I buried them in the polar ice cap that's floating <laughs> down the street. How did the short-lived species survive? They were up, remember, for a year. Yeah. Um, yeah. The specific example Mark Isaac gives is mayflies. Certain uh, mayflies have a lifespan of a few days. Their larvae require shallow-running fresh water to survive. <laughs> so apparently there's this constantly pumped uh, freshwater yeah, river inside the ark. circulating constantly. Man, I'd hate to be the one down there pumping that thing. <laughs> uh, he also brings up the problem of inbreeding depression, right? Yes. So we, we know that, that um, cheetahs, for example, have this problem because apparently um, they, they lack a lot of genetic diversity. So scientists think that at some point there were no more than something like 300 cheetahs. Uh, yeah. They had that bottleneck, and then from that then kind of founder out. population, yeah. they, they expanded again uh, instead of going extinct. If you get it down to only two, or perhaps seven or fourteen, yep. almost always those animals go extinct because there's so little genetic diversity. You have um, rare diseases pop up with massive amounts of frequency. They get fixed in the population, and you eventually die. Yeah. Um, so even massive efforts to uh, save species who, whose numbers dwindle to this amount have failed. And kids, those listening, this is why you don't hook up with your sister. <laughs> Just want to point that Just out. Just want to point that out. Stay away from your sister. Your <laughs> offspring will die. Yeah. Stay away from first cousins. Yeah, first cousins. Et cetera, et cetera. Second. You know, just stay away from the family tree. That's my job. All right. Um, th those are just a few of the problems with a global flood. Yeah. Um, now, Leighton has done some research on um, some pro arguments that the creationists uh, frequently give uh, in support of their flood geology. So let's, we just wanted to... Um, just skim it. We're just, just, just going to touch it. Now, they actually had 18 evidences on, uh, on this site, and we're just going to skim it because uh, some of them were very complex and just retarded all in the same well, Frankly, sense. some of them are unintelligible. Yeah. I don't understand. I, I couldn't understand some of them either. It's amazing. Um, so we'll, we'll hit, uh, because this is a show primarily... For kids. Uh, for kids. Yes. Um, or... Because this is a show where we know that kids are listening, yes. we're going to hit the, the most simple of them. All right. Now, the first one on the list uh, that we've kind of come across is that the fossils themselves are proof that the flood happened because fossils are not forming in lake bottoms today, nor are they being formed at the bottom of the sea because in order to create a fossil, it has to bury the plant or animal after it has died, and that can only happen in a cataclysmic event such as a flood or a volcanic eruption. Well, first of all, um, why does he think that the bottoms of the seas as they are in now, uh, as they exist now, are the bottoms of the seas as they've always been? Right? I mean, you've got, you've got shells of the top of Mount Everest or, you yeah. know, at top of high mountains. Um, Utah used to be a massive lake called Lake Bonneville. It yeah. clearly is no longer right now, otherwise... Leighton and I'd be Well, that was underwater. more southern Utah. We're, we're good up here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but second of all, you know, a brief, uh, I'm not a geologist, but a brief uh, internet search 
turned up at least yeah. 20 different forms of fossilization, yeah, 20 this, ways that fossils can form. This research of looking up these other forms of fossilization took us under five minutes to look up. Again, these, these creationists are just willfully ignorant of this stuff, and, and it almost seems to me they don't want to know, right? That is like they're plugging their ears. Um, not all of these require catastrophic, rapid burial. Sometimes um, all you need is a very, very dry environment where yeah. bacteria can't eat the uh, flesh before it's preserved or mineralized. Which is exactly why we have mummies, papyrus, that have been around for thousands and thousands of years because exactly. the climate is so dry. Most plant fossils uh, are not rapidly buried, um, but uh, slowly replaced, you know, they're... they're Soft parts or their organic parts are solely replaced by minerals over time. So, so this this um, objection uh, is it's ridiculous. Just stupid. Just Fails all ignore together. it. If anybody brings it up to you, laugh in their face and bring up why the fossils themselves are in various um, stages, stages of mineralization. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that's a very good point right there. Well, the next one that they bring up is kind of against the Grand Canyon because the Grand Canyon is brought up, hey, you can look out there and you can see the different layers of strata. You can see these different formations over millions and millions of years. And what is brought up is Mount St. Helens. When it exploded, it uh, sent down this uh, magma river and it met up with the river, uh, Toodle River, and by this... It diverted the river, created a 17-mile-long series of canyons uh, in just a few hours, and they call it the Little Grand Canyon. And it's kind of entertaining, because Charlie and I, we looked this up, and one of the funniest things about this canyon is the river is flowing in pretty much a straight line. Right. Um, they say the Grand Canyon was formed the same way, right, uh, with these massive floodwaters, although how a global flood that floods across the entire surface of the earth creates uh, what is essentially a very small Grand Canyon. <laughs> Why that would happen, I have no idea. Well, have you ever been in a bath? I don't even know of any proposal for that to happen. I know, exactly. Have you ever been in a bath and you, and you pull up the little uh, plug and all of a sudden the water starts spinning down? This is, the Grand Canyon is God's bathtub plug. He uh, pulled it and that's yeah. where the water went. That's where the water all receded and carved it down. <laughs> I mean, um, if you look at the Grand Canyon, especially at kind of the beginning of it, uh, there is a, a massively meandering river that travels five miles on the river as it only travels one mile as, as the crow flies, right? Yeah. So this is not a catastrophic event. Catastrophic events, as I know them, don't meander. <laughs> <laughs> that takes a long time yes. for a river to meander, and it's a slow-moving river that meanders. Yeah, I mean, and we're talking you look at bend this after bend. Little Grand Canyon, we counted two bends. Um, and, you know, what happens is it, it, you have a lot of um, material that is ejected from this Volcano. Uh, volcano and uh, it carves um, nearly a straight path doesn't meander at all what else you got all right well we've already covered spontaneous sorting of layers there's really no no reason to go into something like that um, another thing they bring up is extensive strata and pancake layering and basically what they're talking about that is uh, they they have these strata that stretch across entire states and uh, they're saying that there's a problem with something like that because how would something a strata so large form uh, across entire states yeah we talked about Lake Bonneville right I mean if, if the oceans now aren't where they were before and the, you know there are great seas and uh, those things could have been the bottom of sea floors um, yeah. as it was in the past 
Exactly. And the funny thing is, is they're trying to bring up that it was a worldwide flood that did this, and then they say there is virtually no evidence of erosion between the layers. Well, of course not. If there was a lake there depositing silt over time, it's not going to be erosion such as you would get through rivers, wind, such things as that. Well, they have to choose their layers very carefully because often there is massive amounts of erosion in between layers. Um, well, if, not in these ones that cover entire states. Come on now. We have to trust their words. <laughs> okay. Well, the point is if, if all of this stuff was um, deposited in one single catastrophic flood, then there shouldn't be any erosion in any layers anywhere, right? Or yeah. fossilized raindrops or fossilized worm burrows or anything like that. Yeah. Well, the next one is going to have both you and I laughing. And, and the reason why is the title of it is A Whale of a Fossil. And they talk about how in 1976, workers from the Dicolite division of Grefco, Inc. found the remains of a baleen whale, and it was entombed vertically. So the whale was standing up on its tail. And uh, they're basically talking about how the modern baleen whale is 80 to 90 feet long, and how could this whale possibly have been buried upright if there wasn't a worldwide flood that caused silt to surround the thing and bury it in such that manner? Right, and once again, this is such a massive mystery that three minutes of Google searching uh, turned up the solution. Yeah, really pathetic. It wasn't buried upright so that it's standing on its tail. Um, not at a 90-degree <laughs> angle. It's not perpendicular. It's more of a 40- to 50-degree angle um, from horizontal, but you got to remember that there are layers around this whale, and they're all in the same 40- to 50-degree angle from the horizontal that the whale is. So the whale was at one time buried <laughs> perfectly horizontal, and obviously what happened was these layers got shifted through an earthquake or some process that pushed all the layers up to an angle. This happens all the time. If you look at... Tectonic plate movements. Of course, they don't believe in tectonic plate movements. Right. If you look at uh, mountainsides uh, that have been eroded away, you can often see these, these layers that appear to be at an angle from the horizontal. Well, how in the world would that happen other than the fact that it was pushed up at an angle from some force below. I mean, come on, yeah. people. Yeah, see, that's what I love, is, is they don't even talk about how the strata that this whale is buried in goes perfectly with the whale right. laying down. It's it's also on the angle. So Right, so if the, it, the whale was buried um, on its tail, standing straight up, so was all the rest of the uh, fossil layer, so the, the strata, <laughs> right? Somehow, this uh, flood, catastrophic flood, uh, deposited vertical layers <laughs> instead of horizontal. I mean, it's ridiculous. Come on. Come on. Yeah, well, once again, three minutes of a Google search, and we found the the solution to this problem. So, yeah, you know, it is backbreaking, and you can't expect creationists to understand how to type on a, a computer and access the yeah, Internet. Yeah, well, Google is one of those mysteries that only trained professionals know how to use. Yeah, the Google homepage is very complicated. That single box um, can confuse quite <laughs> with, a few people. With the search button. It's, it's very difficult <laughs> to figure out. <laughs> right. If the box itself was a search button, then maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there should be long 
pages of directions underneath to help these people. <laughs> there is no instruction manual. That's correct. All right. Have we exhausted all of the, the um, inscrutables? Well, I'll, I'll go over just the last couple really fast. They also quote, the marine fossils in the mountains. But, of course, we've already refuted that, saying, you know what? The oceans are not where they are today. And with tectonic right. plate movements pushing these mountains up, they were once right. much lower. They assume that the mountain has always been in the same place that it is currently in now. Yeah. Well, once Idiotic. again, this goes to believing that the Earth is only, what, 6,000 years old? So, right. so the mountains have to be there. But uh, my favorite is they bring up these erratic boulders. And what these are is they're giant boulders all over Europe and North America that were transported many miles by some mysterious force. And, of course, this mysterious force was the massive flood, according to them. Had to be the flood, to pick it up and deposit it. It couldn't have been, I don't know, humans like in Stonehenge or the pyramids. Those are also natural formations that were caused by the flood. Yeah, yeah. well, that's the reason why they're there, and they weren't destroyed during the worldwide flood. Right. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> the flood picked up millions of blocks and deposited in the form of a pyramid. And you've got to remember that the flood actually failed twice in its creation of the pyramids, thereby creating the bent pyramid <laughs> and, uh, and also the pyramid that was going to collapse in on itself, which has uh, large timbers inside of it to stop it before well, the finally flood, getting to the The flood right. put those in there, too. Yeah. Uh, of course. Of course. So even the flood makes mistakes, but it learns well, from its mistakes. Well, that's what happened with the... The bent pyramid is that the flood forces crushed the um, top of the pyramid. <laughs> oh, and kind of shifted bending it over? It. Yeah, bending it in. <laughs> All right, well, well, to end this, we've come to their last statement, which, which is worldwide chaos and out-of-order fossils. And I'm going to read you something, which is actually a quote from Stephen Jay Gould, who they are throwing out there as someone who supports the creationist idea. And what it states is, I regard the failure to find a clear vector of progress in life's history as the most puzzling fact of the fossil record. Now that, that is pretty damning for those of us who are evolutionists. However... Uh, no, it isn't. And I'm surprised that Stephen Jay Gould would say that. I think that it's uh, taken massively out of context because there is no expectation of a linear progress. I don't even think Darwin expected a linear no, progress. No, Evolution is not a ladder. It's a bush. It's we've got many branches and shrubs and dead ends and uh, crossings back and forth. It's not like one, you know, you get a monkey and then a Neanderthal and then a human. Um, that's totally false. There is no linear progress, and it's not a puzzle at all. So I'm very uh, confused about what Stephen Jay Gould, who is a very famous anti-creationist uh, Pro-evolution, um, the, the guy who came up with the theory of punctuated equilibrium and bought a, uh, wrote a bunch of anti-creationist books, would would say that 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 just stuns me, and I don't. What was the source? Where was that found? Well, actually, uh, I looked up the source, and I discovered what a surprise that these creationists are being just a, a little bit less truthful than they should be. Here's the uh, the full quote. Now, I already read. In I regard the failure to find a clear vector of progress perplexing. But this is the rest of it. But I also believe that we are now on the verge of a solution, thanks to a better understanding of evolution in both normal and catastrophic times. We need a two-tiered explanation for patterns or non-patterns in the history of life. So basically, right. they are just it. taking him completely out of context. I understand what he's saying. What he's saying is that what you have, and this is why he postulated punctuated equilibrium in the first place. You have 
um, the expected um, series of fossilizations is you would you would hope that a bunch of animals fossilize and you have all the steps from one animal to another animal. I think that's what he means by linear progression. That's exactly what he's doing. Um, so you'd have a bunch of transitional fossils and as a paleontologist, he does not find these fossils. And I think he's, he's saying that this problem is a little more serious than the normal kind of how, how difficult it is to fossilize or the failure to fossilize. Um, what, what he may be saying is that instead of these linear sequences, sometimes with catastrophic events, you have um, an emergence of species very, very rapidly. And that, that's punctuated equilibrium. It kind of comes to an equilibrium um, as the animals fill their various niches and become adapted to them. And then something environment changes, and then you have a massive amount of kind of readaptation, uh, extinction and readaptation over a very quick uh, period of time. And we're, still we're, we're speaking of, you know, geological time here, yeah. thousands to tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands to millions of years. Um, so I think that's what he's saying. So, uh, yeah, taken just as the the um, first part that you read, it says something entirely different than what he's actually saying. And that is exactly my point. Now, at the very end of this list of 18 irrefutable facts about the flood occurring, he listed scientist after scientist with excerpts. Now, I actually went and did, oh, I don't know, five minutes of research on Google on each of these scientists. He so quotes, you broke a sweat. Yeah, you I broke, broke, a, sweat I broke a huge sweat. It took me all of 15 minutes to look up every single scientist. <laughs> uh, David M. Rupp, another one that, uh, that he starts quoting in support of the flood, is a paleontologist with the University of Chicago, and not only that, but when he retired, he uh, assists the Santa Fe Institute to develop methods and approaches to dealing with the evolutionary exploration of morphospace. So this is an evolutionary scientist, even when he retires. And this guy is quoting him on the, uh, on, on the side of the flood and uh, the, the early world thing. He also quotes William Jocelyn Arkell. Now, Arkell is a British geologist and paleontologist who specializes in the Jurassic period. And he's actually... Written... Which was roughly 5,000 years ago. Yes, yes. Uh, the reason why <laughs> these dinosaurs died off, according to his book, is because of the, the flood. <laughs> I mean, the... So, so basically what you have is you have a creationist who is quote mining scientists to, to provide a veneer of... Um, respectability, right, to his ideas, but he's taking it out of context and he's manipulating to, to make it sound like they're supporting, but they aren't. So oh, yeah. you have a creationist who's lying. Well, I got news for you. Grass is green, the sky is blue, the sun is shining. Um, there is no contradiction to that. Creationists lie. They lie for Jesus. Oh, That's very much so. My, my favorite is actually John Woodmorap. Now, this guy is actually... A he's the guy... He's the guy who did the ARC feasibility study. Yes. That <laughs> said you can fit all the animals into the ARC. <laughs> yes, he's the one who did the ARC feasibility, and he actually states yeah. that he was a freshman in college, and uh, a member of the Campus Crusade for Christ won him over to the Lord. Now, it, it's shocked. interesting because... I'm shocked. Yeah, shocked. What a surprise. But uh, he throws out all this science, and then he even quotes something, and I want to read this quote. Illinois high school science teacher Jan Pekskis, I can't say the last name, 
writes the misconception that evolution works towards a predetermined goal is held by many high school and college students. This is understandable because evolution is an abstract and generally non-observable phenomenon, and living things do seem well designed for their environments. Now, there is one problem with this. John Woodmerap is Jan Pexkis. In fact, uh, they're the same so, person. John Woodmerap is Jan Pepsis. His name, his uh, his pseudo name for writing. So, <laughs> wait, he's is his real name John Woodmerap? No, his real name is Jan Pexkis, <laughs> and he actually <laughs> writes for creationists under the name John Woodmerap. So he's he's a fictional character that's quoting the real guy. Yeah, who's yeah. himself, and he's quoting himself. For oh, scientific God. evidence, for so essentially, that's like Mark Twain quoting Samuel Langhorne Clemens to support his arguments. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this awesome. is how deceitful these uh, these early Earth creationists are going to sink to. So, well, if if they win souls for Jesus, then uh, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, because it's much better to lie as long as you are winning souls to Jesus. Right, as long as you lie for Jesus, that's okay. Well, um, we got great news. Next week we've got a, a guest speaker that um, uh, by far and away I am a huge fan of this guy. Yeah. Um, this is my favorite guest speaker so far. In fact, Charlie was stalking him, and I had to beg him to come on the show despite Charlie's fanboy nature. Right, despite the restraining order, because I, I was sitting outside of his uh, home um, with a pair of binoculars, he did agree to come on the show. It's uh, Bob Price, Dr. Bob Price, um, fantastic guest speaker, awesome, awesome episode. We'll have that for you next week. Glad to have him, and I don't think it's kid-friendly, sorry. Oh, yeah, you know what, this probably this podcast probably wasn't kid-friendly either, given the scientific nature of the refutations. So what I was thinking was uh, we're going to give it another go sometime in the future. Um, someone emailed us uh, a, a website that has a list of crazy Bible stories. I thought oh, that yeah. might be better for kids. You know, that's probably a good idea. Now, this one, it's clean. We've kept our, our language somewhat clean. And, and for, the, so, for the most part. For the most part. So <laughs> you can play it for your kids. But the science it's probably targeted it. at yeah high school age kids yeah yeah we maybe, maybe college and doctoral thesis kids yeah truth be told we actually <laughs> had to stop in the middle and re-record it because yeah. we were talking too much science and we had to dumb it down a little bit you're right so this is the dumbed down version um, which doesn't get too dumbed down because these are complicated issues but I think that the Bible stories um, we could really uh, have, and I think that'd be interesting for kids to listen to. So we'll do that sometime. That's too bad. I was hoping to curse when we did that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.